This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, January 31st. I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, town partners with resort on development plan. Ure police chief put on leave. Tab seizes the day. And a mountain weather forecast. Get your thinking caps on and your brainstorms swirling. The town of Telluride and the Telluride Ski and Golf Resort are working on plans for the Chair 7 base area, and they'll soon want your public input. At this week's town council meeting, town manager Scott Robson reports Telluride and the ski resort are looking to enter an agreement. We will uh, spell out a little bit more this framework for cooperation that, uh, again, we, we uh, hope kicks off a public participation element um, as early as February, I would anticipate. Uh, again, the, the scope of work really takes us through um, a number of steps from outreach and engagement to preliminary conceptual development of the character. It would also include, um, again, a a range of meetings and collaborative workshops between our our two parties. The agreement between Telski and Telluride takes the form of an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, which is government jargon for two parties coming together with a common goal. That goal is launching a mixed-use development stretching from the Carhenge parking lot to the base area of Chair 7 near Cimarron Lodge. These are two really critical parcels um, that adjoin one another, and uh, certainly the two organizations are, are critical uh, in our efforts together to make sure that we get this uh, kind of last uh, big area within our community developed at a world-class level and uh, collaboratively and that we hit uh, multiple goals together. The MOU commits Telluride and Telski to spending a combined $78,000 on an initial planning phase in the next six months with public input and guidance from the Urban Planning Group Design Workshop. Council members already had a few ideas on what they'd like to see go into the Chair 7 base area. Dan Enright kicks it off with, surprise, surprise, housing. Carhenge is the town's last significant asset for significant affordable housing development within the town boundaries. And I think that that is very important to utilize to the greatest extent feasible with all the considerations of neighborhood and design and everything that any application must go through. Council member Ashley Von Sprecken chimes in with her two cents. I would also say that I think that there's some really unique opportunities in this area for us to like start looking at maybe some deed restricted commercial and stuff like that that could be really beneficial to business owners and all of the people that live down there having some other opportunities for, you know, restaurants, stores and stuff like that. So I know that Aspen um, has recently opened up to deed-restricted restaurants. Telski owner Chad Horning says from a resort perspective, the most important part is creating a productive and supportive partnership. It's not so much about exactly what we want. We have desires, we have needs for the resort, we have infrastructure needs for the resort, uh, we have needs for housing, we have needs for the Southwest Area Plan, and um, it's just exciting to be able to work together jointly on this. And we're really excited to approach this from a more of a partnership and a collaborative fashion. In a unanimous vote, council chose to sign a memorandum of understanding with Telluride Ski and Golf to move forward with gathering public input and drawing up preliminary visions for the Chair 7 area over the next six months. Follow along at engagetelluride.org.
A developing investigation in Ure has caused the town to put its police chief on leave. The town announced the paid administrative leave for Chief Jeff Wood in a press release on Monday afternoon. The move comes after a Ure teenager said she was raped in the police chief's home in May of 2023. Her testimony resulted in the December arrests of three area teenagers, one of them the chief's stepson. The Colorado Bureau of Investigation is handling the case and does not comment on active investigations. For the past couple weeks, the allegations have created a media storm of sorts, clouding over our neighbor to the northeast. The weekly newspaper, the Ure County Plain Dealer, published a front-page story detailing the arrests and the rape allegations in its January 18th issue. Hundreds of its newspapers were then stolen from area newspaper drop boxes in what appeared to be an attempt to silence the story. The theft of the newspapers caught the attention of national media outlets, and soon enough, the story was being covered not only statewide, but in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Guardian UK, and so on. Then, Ridgeway-based restaurateur Paul Choate came forward and turned himself, along with the stolen newspapers, in. Choate is not associated with the police department nor with anyone implicated in the rape allegations. The Ure County Sheriff's Office is handling an investigation of the newspaper theft. Giovanni Mendoza, an investigator with the office, notes they've already brought a number of charges, both relatively minor. In reference to Mr. Chaud, I mean, he yeah, he came forward towards the end of the day last Thursday, and he admitted to that one. Yeah, the charges that he was he's going to be facing is theft, and there is another charge in um, interference with the um, newspaper. So that's a civil charge, basically. Mendoza clarifies the county sheriff's office functions separately from the city's police department. Although some people, they think that we might be the same agency, well, we're not. So that's that's some of the misunderstanding and some of the perception that was cut up at the beginning of the case, I bet. He notes amidst the past weeks of local turmoil and national news coverage, the sheriff's office continues to serve county residents. No, uh, I mean, the morale is high on our, our part. We're working together, trying to, I mean, do our job the best we can on a daily basis. The publishers of The Plain Dealer, meanwhile, say in a written statement, the work of their reporters will not be silenced and the paper will continue to cover the rape allegations. When asked if he'd ever worked on a newspaper theft before, Mendoza said no. In fact, the whole situation unfolding over the past few weeks has been unprecedented. No, no, actually never. Never. That was one of the first cases I even heard on that. In a statement, the city of Ure says Chief Wood's leave is, quote, pending the outcome of the alleged rape involving the chief's stepson at the chief's personal residence, unquote. The Telluride AIDS Benefit Fashion Show is an annual infusion of energy into the depths of winter. But in addition to the glitz and glam of the adult fashion show, students at the Telluride High School produce their own show, equally as fabulous, educating young people about HIV, AIDS, and sexual health. KOTO's Julia Caulfield has more. Yeah, so you might, so 
game it's the rich man's world ever and you guys can kind of like when you stand back you, you can like hit a little power stance or something and then, and then a man like that yeah. in the telluride high school cafeteria students in high heels strut their stuff through new choreography Over 100 students, grades 10 through 12, are rehearsing for the Telluride AIDS Benefit Student Fashion Show. The theme of our show this year is Kairos, which is the Greek word for seize the day. Um, and then our slogan for that is free the past to formulate the future. That's Bretton Hampton, one of the co-directors of this year's fashion show. Sitting in a old With music spanning the decades, Avery Ireland, another director, says they want to embrace the past, present, and future. We kind of chose this theme because we wanted to talk about how we can use the past to continue to advance in the future and not repeat history in some sense and just keep growing and how we need to acknowledge the past in order to move forward and we can't just disregard everything that's happened until this point. That idea is central to Tab's mission. In addition to a fierce and fabulous fashion show, the main goal is to raise awareness and funds for HIV AIDS resources in Colorado and around the world. I think one of the biggest things I hope to have everybody experience this year is really understanding like kind of our mission of like why do we come together and like remembering, for me it's a lot about remembering everything that has got us to where we are not only with TAB but with AIDS and HIV in general and kind of you're coming in here and you're seeing fashion, but you're walking out and you're acknowledging everything that's happened before you and you're seeing how we're taking something that at times has been devastating and at times has been really powerful and you can take it into the real world and see how we're really gonna like take this into the future. Outside of the fashion show and local education, students also have the opportunity to visit regional beneficiaries, which receive funds from TAB, to learn more about HIV-AIDS. Hampton says the fashion show helps get students in the door. I mean, obviously going to a fashion show, being in a fashion show is like very fun. I think it's like the hook to bring everyone into like the real cause and educating on HIV and AIDS. For the first time ever, the directorial team decided to have every student who was interested join the fashion show. Joe Galbo, another director, says that furthers the mission of the organization. Letting everyone into the mission of TAB, which is being inclusive and having community, which within the school we need to show that we're there to support everyone and that we're open and we want the image of TAB to represent everybody in a community on its own. Hampton adds she wants to see that sense of community radiate off the stage and into the audience. I hope everyone walks out with just like that sense of community that Telluride has because, I mean, if you walk into any other school district in the country, in my opinion, sexual health is not talked about as, like, I guess openly as it is here. And I think just like anti-stigmatizing the conversation of sexual health creates just like open conversation for everyone and like more of a safe environment. Um, so I hope like coming out of that, seeing a hundred students produce this massive production 
about like safe sexual health and HIV and AIDS. Like people can walk out being like, if it's an open, if it's a, if it's a conversation that can be had, it should be had everywhere, not just in Telluride. The Telluride AIDS Benefit Student Fashion Show will take place Thursday, February 15th and Friday, February 16th at 6 p.m. at the Palm Theater. Tickets go on sale on Thursday, February 1st and are available at telluridepalm.com. Mean Girls is on the big screen at the Nugget Theater this week, and this weekend it's moving to the stage. Tina Fey's era-defining film first came out in 2004, an adaptation of Rosalind Wiseman's book Queen Bees and Wannabes. The film was later adapted to a Broadway musical, which became an on-screen musical in theaters now, including, indeed, at the Nugget. This weekend, Mean Girls Mania will continue as the Sheridan Arts Foundation's Young People's Theater puts on their version of the hit Broadway musical at the Sheridan Opera House. Directed by Leah Heidenreich, the cast features nearly 30 Telluride high schoolers taking on the story of a high school drama playing out in suburban Illinois to much charm and hilarity. The curtains lift this Friday, February 2nd at 6 p.m., then again on Saturday at 6. Sunday, February 3rd features a matinee at 4. Doors open 30 minutes prior to each show. Reserve your ticket now at SheridanOperaHouse.com. Town Council approved over $680,000 in grant funding to 45 local organizations at its meeting this week. The funds are distributed on an annual basis by the Town of Telluride through its Commission on Community Assistance, Arts, and Special Events. Money flows from two pots, one for arts and special events programs and the other for community support. Special Events Coordinator Amanda Baltzley says, compared to last year, The total requested amount this year was significantly higher. Um, and the average request and amount was also somewhat significantly higher, especially in the community support side. Baltzley continues. Town Council did approve a 7.5% increase, which obviously helped somewhat balance the additional requests that we had. The way the process works, local organizations are invited to apply for funding, and the case board works through applications to distribute funds. It then brings its preliminary decisions to Town Council. This year, as usual, Council unanimously approved the allocations as recommended by the case board. Money goes towards area organizations, ranging from the AHA School for the Arts to the Rocky Rainbow Preschool, Deco Action Partners to the Telluride Volleyball Club, and to yours truly, KOTO Radio. Colorado's top water officials voted to give $20 million to a Western Slope group with plans to buy an important water right on the Colorado River. The spending brings the Colorado River District about a fifth of the way towards its goal of buying the Shoshone water right. They plan to keep the water in the river, which they say is important for fish, farms, and cities downstream. 
The taxpayer-funded River District also aims to use money from its own coffers and funds from the federal government. They'll permanently lease the water back to Xcel Energy to keep the hydropower turbines running and to keep the water in the river. The 2024 Winter X Games just wrapped up in Aspen. The competition features action sports athletes from the world over. Aspen Public Radio's Kai Williams was at Buttermilk Mountain for the competition and reports Aspen's own Alex Ferreira took home gold in the Super Pipe competition. This is Ferreira's third X Games gold medal. He also has two silver and two bronze medals, all in the Super Pipe event. But it's been a while since he stood on top of the podium here at Buttermilk. After his last X Games win in 2020, he landed near the bottom of the field in 2021. He opted out of the X Games the year after that to rest and recover from injury before the Olympics and had a rough crash in 2023 finishing in eighth out of eight athletes. In an interview last night, Ferreira said it was a beautiful feeling to be back on top. The event went just like he dreamed it would. Some of his young fans from the Aspen Valley Ski and Snowboard Club were pretty stoked to see it too. So how did it feel to see Alex Ferreira, who also did AVSC, win a gold medal tonight? Great! Parker, Jens, and Scott are all nine years old and all freestyle skiers. They say it feels pretty good to see athletes like Ferreira soaring to new heights in their hometown. Does it make you feel like you could do that someday? Yeah. yeah. Ferreira won the Superpipe competition with tricks like a 1620. That's four and a half rotations. His fans are working up to it with 180s, 360s, and tail grabs. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. A Cortez newspaper is shuddering. After nearly 20 years of keeping Montezuma County informed, the final issue of the Four Corners Free Press hit newsstands recently. The newspaper covered politics, environmental issues, and more for Southwest Coloradans and residents of the Four Corners region. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD sat down with Gail Binkley, the editor and co-founder of the Free Press, to talk about the newspaper and his last issue. Gail, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, sure. Thank you for having me on. So how did the Free Press come to be? I mean, what's the story there? Um, some of us who had at one point worked at the Cortez Journal, we decided we would you know, just like to do our own thing. I think it's a dream of a lot of journalists just to do their own paper and be in charge, and so we we did that. Um, the first initially, the paper was owned by Wendy Mimiaga and myself, and she handled the business and ad side, and I did the editorial side. Uh, for a long time, I'd envisioned that because we live in a region and we uh, travel and recreate and get medical care around this region, I just thought it would be nice to have a publication that covered the Four Corners. If you could tell me about any of those early editions of the Four Corners Free Press, um, I'm curious to hear about those. Uh, we wrote about initially some issues with the Four Corners Monument, because we were starting out to be the Four Corners Free Press. Um, some of it was about there was some dispute over where the line should be drawn, like where is the actual Four Corners? Um, and then there were also discussions about management, which and 
I think, some disagreements between the, the Navajo, the Diné, and the, um, the Utes over how it would be managed. And there was a whole plan to revamp it, which has gone through, because at the, the time when we started this paper, it was you know pretty rudimentary down there. What were some of the major stories that you and others covered during your, your tenure at the publication? Just off the top of my head, one of the ones that we covered for a long time was a major dispute in Salt Lake, excuse me, San Juan County, Utah. Um, the reason I'm saying Salt Lake is because I wound up traveling to Salt Lake to cover the trial of a county commissioner in San Juan County, Utah, who had led a ATV trail ride into... Uh, land that was supposed to be closed to motorized vehicles, and he, he was doing it as a protest, and you know was tried for that, and it went, went on for a long time, and there was, I guess, a, a big media frenzy over there. I mean, it's a real blow to the community that you folks are shutting down, but you know, obviously this isn't a unique trend to Southwest Colorado. So I guess why did you ultimately decide to end the free press? Um, you know, I've, I've been talking about it for some time. It's just the Ever since the pandemic, uh, the advertising revenues haven't been what they used to be before the pandemic. They really have not been. You know, a lot of businesses had an economic crunch during the pandemic, and following that, um, they had advertised with us, and then they didn't. And you know, we just had a few loyal, loyal advertisers that were supporting us, and the revenues just didn't, you know, compensate. You know, there's, as you know, there's a lot of discussions about how to keep journalism going. And there's, you know, the nonprofit route, which some things are doing. There's the online route. Um, both of those would have would been a major change for us, and we just weren't really able to get that going. This final issue, um, the, as it turned out, we had, I think, 12 writers write columns for us. So they're they're all over the place. Some are, you know, personal, some are more political. Um, we have, the main story is just about the county's budget problems and concerns about how they're going to affect the Montezuma County Sheriff's Office, which is a big deal. Do you intend to retire from reporting and editing as well? Not really. Uh -uh. No, I mean, I like to keep busy. And as you probably know, I'm, you know, have, been, have written a fiction book and I'm probably going to do some more fiction and I've there are people that want me to do some editing for them and I'm interested in doing some journalism freelance so well thank you so much for joining thank you the National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clouds increasing overnight with a low in the mid-20s Thursday brings cloudy skies and a high in the mid-30s with snow showers developing in the afternoon snow will move in fully Thursday night with possible accumulations of 3 to 5 inches and a low around 30 degrees. Expect the storm to remain Friday and Friday night with more snow. The high is near freezing with a low near 20 degrees. Alright, this has been the news for Wednesday, January 31st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. During the month of February, KOTO News will be playing the regional roundup from Rocky Mountain Community Radio in place of our usual Thursday newscast. The roundup is produced by RIMCOR editor Maeve Conran, who brings us a preview. 
Tune in to hear the regional roundup Thursdays at six throughout the month of February. We're asking a lot of people to care about the environment, but we forget a very important first step, which is to connect to the environment. Hear stories from around the Mountain West, brought to you by Rocky Mountain Community Radio. There was harm done at the Fort Lewis Indian Boarding School. That's, that's hard news for people. That's the regional roundup, Thursdays at 6 throughout the month of February, here on KOTO. Our regular newscast schedule will return in March. And now, personal commentaries. Have you ever wished our community had more access to mental health resources like substance abuse counseling? Or maybe therapists trained in helping people with eating disorders? Maybe you or someone you know hasn't accessed counseling because it is not available in the language you speak. Although living in our remote corner of the world is amazing, there are people with needs that fall through the cracks. Residents in San Miguel County and West End of Montrose County have the opportunity to provide valuable input regarding community mental health and behavioral health needs. Tri-County Health Network is conducting a community survey to study ways of improving the quality of life in San Miguel and the west end of Montrose County, with a big focus on mental health. The survey will be conducted in two ways, by phone and online. You may be randomly selected for a phone interview. You can also go to Tri-County Health Network's website to complete the online survey. Visit tchnetwork.org and look under Data for the Quality of Life Survey. It can be taken in both English and Spanish. Let's help improve the quality of life in our community by taking the survey and voicing our input on what our community needs to achieve health and well-being. We are all in this together and every voice matters. Again, please visit tchnetwork.org and look under Data for the Quality of Life Survey. Thanks, Kodo. Hey, this is Mary from the Telluride Historical Museum with your Miner's Minute for January 31st, 2024. If you haven't made it up the hill yet this winter season, be sure to check out our current exhibit, Festival Capital of the Rockies, 50 Years of Festivals in Telluride. This fabulous exhibit will take you through 50 years of our festival history here in the canyon. Which festival was the first in Telluride? Was it Bluegrass, Film Fest? If you want to find out, come discover the answer and more in the Weatherford Gallery, This exhibit will be open until we close for the off-season in April, so don't miss out. The Telluride Historical Museum is seeking a friendly, outgoing, and engaging individual to serve as a visitor services coordinator. The visitor services coordinator works at the museum's front desk and provides all services associated with that, including greeting and orienting guests upon their arrival, taking payment for admission and gift shop sales, answering guest questions during their visit, restocking gift shop inventory, and answering the phone and routing calls to the appropriate office staff members. This is a part-time role that has begun immediately, and specifically, we are looking for someone to cover Saturdays during the rest of the winter season. Opportunities for more work during the summer season can be discussed as well. Our 2024 Daffodil Days are almost here again. Pre-sales begin online February 19th. Place your orders early and get a discounted price of $12 per bundle, with free delivery if you order five bundles or more. Or you can purchase your daffodils in person on Main Street at the community table from March 11th to the 15th, or up at the museum at the regular price of $15 per bundle. All proceeds benefit the Telluride Historical Museum and the American Cancer Society. A reminder of our hours, we are open for the winter season Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And remember, Saturdays are always free for locals. 
And if you haven't brought the kids back up to the museum yet, come check out our kids scavenger hunt, new and improved. Also be sure to check out the gift shop for items that we have on sale. We have some brand new inventory, including gems, toys, games, and vintage-inspired jewelry and accessories. If you have any additional questions, feel free to call the museum at 970-728-3344 or email info at telluridemuseum.org. We look forward to hearing from you. We hope to see you up on the hill at the top of First Street soon or to follow us on social media. You can keep in touch that way with what's up up at the museum. Thanks, Koto. You're a rare medium. Well done. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.